Hello everyone and welcome to Space Fields. My name is Paige Kaufman and I am an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. On this podcast, we will talk about all things aerospace. We will discover how people got where they are in industry and their experience of the culture and community on the way. Enjoy! Hello everyone. I have been itching to release this episode. It was an amazing conversation. I interviewed Amy Tomlinson. Amy attended the University of Southern California as a member of the U.S. Navy ROTC program. She then had a 21-year career in the U.S. Navy. During this time, she was a member of the Blue Angels Flight Demonstration Squadron for two years, where she acted as the events coordinator. After her time in the Navy, she went back to school and got her MBA from Santa Clara University. She then acted as the Director of Development at Concentric Power Incorporated. She was also an elected city council member for Pacific Grove. She then went on to act as the Policy Board Director for Central Coast Community Energy. And lastly, she now works at Amazon as a Web Services Senior Manager. Amy is an amazing human. She was so incredibly well-spoken, kind, and down-to-earth. So I just can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. Enjoy. Hi. Hi, I'm Amy. Hi, Amy. I'm Paige. Nice to finally meet you kind of face to face. I know. Nice to meet you, too. I'm here and I'm happy to talk to you today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I wanted I wanted to start. I'm going to share my screen. When I was younger, I loved the Blue Angels and I made a pillowcase with a Blue Angel and a horse. Oh, I don't know. Wow. But I see we it. still use it. Yeah. And so I had forgotten about this and I was like, I have to show this to you. So there it is. So that's the proof I'm a, I'm a real fan. <laughs> I love it. It looks Isn't like a bird awesome? too with feet I know, almost, it but help. it's the engine. I get it. <laughs> yes. That's I think, great. And I I'm so glad I... you didn't make a Thunderbird and you made a Blue Angel. That was very oh. smart of you. Oh, yes. Of course. Of course. There's like a rivalry between the Navy and the Air Force. It's very. Oh, yeah. We love them, of course, but it's a healthy right. rivalry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, as it should be. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. So I saw that you didn't choose to join the Navy until discovering the USC's ROTC program. Uh, so why did you initially choose USC and then what attracted you to the Navy? Oh, good question. Um, So I I grew up in San Diego and my dad was a Navy fighter pilot and my mom stay at home mom. We were in San Diego, which has a lot of Navy presence. Um, He he did 10 years active duty and 10 years in the reserves. And majority of my life was when he was in the reserves as well as in the airlines. And yet my upbringing involved a lot of military people, even though, you know, he wasn't active duty when I was a kid. And that must have just kind of resonated with me, I think, as far as uh, the, the the type of people who end up being in your lives. And uh, we had the military friends were who we vacationed with and who came to our our birthday parties and um, they were friends for life that my father had made through the military and my mom too. And um, so that had planted a seed. Fast forward, I'm 18. I don't, I'm not thinking about the military. Uh, I wanted, I applied to like nine different schools. I was all over the map on where I wanted to go. Ultimately USC felt the right, like the right distance from home, not too far, not too close. Right. Um, 
I almost went to UCLA, so uh, I, I usually don't admit that, because, but it's also a great school. But when I visited the campus, I just fell in love with the campus and a little bit more of the smallness and quaintness of USC. It was smaller. It's, it's, it's bigger than it is. It's bigger now. Um, and I love the fraternity and sorority life. Mm-hmm. It was something that I wanted to be a part of. So anyway, I joined USC freshman year with a number one goal of joining a sorority. Yeah. So I was longing for like a belonging group, a friendship group. Right. And I found that sorority. I'm still friends with those people today, but I also found a friend group in the ROTC area. And I've started to realize how like-minded they were, how much I was, uh, had in common with these folks that were driven and looking to serve their country and go into the military and, they were in my freshman year classes. And so I found myself hanging out with them, learning about the program they were in and asking lots of questions and, and then joined myself. So yeah. less, less of the typical story where someone said, you know, I just had to be in an airplane. I really wanted to fly my whole life. Right. It was all about the people. And mm-hmm. anyway, we probably get to it, but like still to this day, if people ask me, do I miss it? It's the people that I miss. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what keeps you going is the people. It's interesting. That's what initially attracted you to, I think similar things on my end. Yeah. Um, so why did you decide to study public relations instead of going the STEM route? It sounds like you weren't like super interested in, Oh, I want to be in a plane. So is that why, why? Yeah. So that also, uh, I'd love to say I was very forward looking at 18, but I wasn't, um, minus the sorority. I think my father and mother said, you know, you need to pick a major as well. So I was undeclared (laughs) originally. And then I have an uncle who was, um, involved in public relations and journalism and his career. It seemed cool what he did. He was working in Santa Monica and LA at the time. And so I took some I don't know, read the brochure and decided that that should be my major <laughs> and <laughs> declared that as my major, honestly. And now fast forward four years, uh, I did get a wonderful education at the Annenberg School. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that I did because the Navy teaches you the STEM. They teaches mm-hmm. you, they teach you what they want you to know. There were folks in my class who had hundreds of hours of flight time. And there were people like me who had zero but we all came out, you know, the other end as aviators with our wings. And the Navy doesn't really ask that you show up with that kind of experience. Does it help? Did they study probably less than I had to? Sure. I had to work pretty darn hard by the time I got to flight school because that stuff wasn't coming as easy to me, having mm-hmm. not taken uh, a lot of those classes um, in undergrad. But I, I think it just made me a bit of a more well-rounded uh, individual long-term where I learned the science, I learned the, the engineering, I learned the aviation piece of it. Um, and then being on the Blue Angels, it's more PR and right. public, you know, public relations facing type stuff than engineering anyway. Yeah. So I was able to lean back on a lot that I had learned at the Annenberg School um, in that regard. Yeah. Really acquiring the perfect skill set to go into that yeah oh my god and I love that um I love that ROTC I think it's still this way but they they were while they encouraged STEM majors it was not a requirement and so if you have that desire to 
major in economics or history or public relations, English, you could and still have the scholarship and still go into submarines and aviation. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a requirement. So, yeah, it is the same way. I have a couple friends okay. and they encourage they encourage the diversity as well. People with more yeah. skill sets that can work together. You can solve more problems that way, no matter what. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So you went through the ROTC program and then you commissioned, correct? Did you, you said you went to flight school. So was that right out of those four years? Yes. So I think it was May 12th of 2000 was when I graduated USC, big commencement, uh, ceremony right there in the middle of campus by Tommy Trojan. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there are these satellite ceremonies that would happen right after for the graduates, maybe for your major. Well, for OTC, they had a satellite ceremony right after where they commissioned us into the military. And I, you know, raised my right hand and was sworn in as an officer and given my orders. I knew where I was going, but my orders were official that day, which was to go to Pensacola, Florida and spend nearly two years, just under two years, um, learning and being a student so continued education and the school is called flight school and for me I'm a backseater so it was learning all about how to be a weapon systems officer and how to navigate how to talk on the radio how to drop the weapons um and those types of things in the airplane not actually the taking off the landing or flying of the plane um yeah and I I ended up love being a backseater. I think it suits my personality really well. You have to be able to see ahead, see what what the pilot might need, and you're very um, helpful. It also was my only choice. I needed a waiver just to be a backseater because I had pretty bad eyes. Um, So I wasn't going to be able to be in the front seat. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a position that's talked about less, but like that's so cool. You don't realize that people are training like just as hard to do that and the the amount that you are doing back there. That's, that's awesome. So did you, how long until you applied to join the blue angels and besides them just being very cool, what attracted you to that team? Well, I think, um, I think that was another seed planted early. So in Pensacola, when you're in Naval Flight Officer training like I was. There was three different squadrons that I kind of proceeded through. The third one and final one, which where I graduated from, is called VT-86, and it shared the same hangar with the Blue Angels. And there was this long hallway upstairs with like these saloon-style doors that separate the blue carpet and the Blue Angel, you know, um, hangar to our regular, I don't know, gray carpet and and VT-86's student ready room. And I always wanted to go look over those doors and just kind of know more about what's going on. And I was intimidated as a student to do such right. a thing. But I would just every day just feel inspired. And, and I thought, I want to, I'd like to be on that blue carpet one day and like wear that blue flight suit and, and be able to to inspire kids and, and give back. Um, I felt very lucky in my upbringing with how many people helped me and mentored me and were really influential in my life. And so I was always finding, how can I give that back to others? Mm-hmm. So I very intentionally decided, you know, that's something I want to do. Well, 
I then learned that only I thought only pilots were blue angels, front, you know, front seaters. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until a couple of years later, I, I thought, well, that that's just a small detail, Amy. I'm still <laughs> going to do it. <laughs> and um, I love a couple of years later, I was in my regular squadron living in Virginia. And I, for the first time, said it out loud to my commanding officer. I said, I really want to be a blue angel, but I think it's only for pilots. But so I probably can't do it. And he said, no, no, there's there's the number eight position. It's an aviator. It is an events coordinator. You plan all the air shows. You have to have an aviation background because you're working with the FAA. You're setting up um, a lot of airspace type coordination. You're during the show, your safety and helping making sure that the, the show is done well from the ground. And anyway, I, I didn't know about the position. So I found out more about it and was ecstatic. And I said, okay, well, yeah, that's for me. There's this one spot. I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah. you need 1,250 flight hours. So I just had to keep marching towards getting all the wickets checked. Yeah. I applied in 2008 and did not get selected. And then again in 2009 and then did get selected mm-hmm. um, and, and served on the team in 10 and 11. Wow. Good for you. How many interviews did you have to do to for that whole process? So 2008 was a little bit strange in that I co- I probably couldn't have gotten selected because the, the position that I was going for was a two-year position and the guy who was doing it was doing a good job. So unless he were to have right. gotten fired, they weren't going to pick me. But I applied that year because I wanted my name to be known. I wanted them to know I was highly interested and I wanted to get a little bit of an insight to learn more about the team and make sure it was the right fit for me. Um, so I encourage that, by the way. Like, if there's something that you want to do, don't wait till you're absolutely qualified and ready and your resume is perfect for it. You can do some early work, right? And so right. I did that in 2008, knowing I was not going to get selected because the position wasn't open, but it was very valuable because. Then in 2009, when I applied and I could get selected, um, the, the folks, more people knew who I was already. They knew I had been interested. That showed effort and kind of grit. And um, it was able able to get selected. But the, as far as how does it work, you, you show up to air shows and you interact with the team. You watch sort of the pressures of it all. I mean, you're on the road 310 days a year. Wow. You're always on talking to the crowd, talking to the public. Um, they're really not assessing how good you are in the air as much as how are you in this public relations role and representing mm-hmm. the military. Um, the most intense part is when you get picked to be a finalist, which happened in 2009. You do go down for a three-day interview in Pensacola. And it's comprised of um, social interactions. There's a one on 16 interview. So 16 officers and you sitting at the end of the table, getting asked questions for an hour. Yeah. There's actually a strength test that happens for the pilots to make sure that they are strong enough to to fly the jet. So it's a lot of things um, to go through before you get selected, but all fun and all worth it. Right. Right. What's one tip you'd give for handling nerves in a situation like that with 16 people on one side of the table? Um, I'm, I'll give the advice now. I don't know if I had it then, but just right. 
Stu, remember that everyone asking you a question is also just a person. So flip it around. The next year, I was one of those 16 people asking, you know, someone else those questions. And I could tell they were nervous. But I just wanted them to think, well, Amy's just a person. Amy's just asking a question because she wants to get to know me better. And I can answer these questions. I'm talking about myself, right? And right. and typically, you can answer those questions. So um, we often put those in the position of authority kind of up on a pedestal and in reality they're they're likely just as nervous doing their job asking you the questions so um don't allow yourself to to get in your own head and be nervous and and then be able to then you can just answer the questions freely yeah that's very good advice i i will be remembering i'll watch this back before in big interviews (laughs) Yeah. Um, and practice, yeah. practice, practice, yes. practice. I, I will say a shout out to my fellow Trojan, Valerie. The when we got when I got selected to go do my finalist interview, um, mm-hmm. she was with me and we were driving home from Yosemite, my husband and her and I. And I had been practicing my answers in my head and I thought they sounded great. And Valerie, mm-hmm. Valerie said, well, why don't we practice them out loud? Tell me what you would say. And she did like a mock interview and they came out horrible. So, <laughs> but that was a great learning experience to, in your head, it always sounds good. And then when I was trying to, t- to say it to Valerie, I was rambling. And so that practice session, I think really helped prepare me. Um, even though it was a little bit embarrassing that I, that I was rambling, but Valerie's my sorority sister and great friend. And she, yeah. she gave me some tips and, and helped me prepare. There you go. You get the get the blurbs out, the rambles out, and then you, you have clear thoughts for the rest. Then you can do it better when it's the real time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure that you've been asked this a lot, but did you experience any pushback from the Navy or there's a lot of civilian fans involved with Blue Angels uh, when flying as the first female? Yeah, so um, pushback, no, not at all. Everyone was super excited. I, mm-hmm. I do have the, I guess, the, the honor to have been the first female aviator on the on the mm-hmm. team. Um, to me, that I'm very honored for that, but I, I wasn't the first female pilot. A lot of folks get that wrong when they publish or write about it or mm-hmm. just to hear, oh, Amy was the first female Blue Angel. They don't actually say aviator. Aviator is front seat or back seat, right? So I'm mm-hmm. the, uh, I was the first one as a backseater. I wasn't flying in the show. So I don't think it garnered as much attention potentially. So mm-hmm. I didn't have as much pressure, which was fine by me and great. Yeah. Um, I've been a female the whole time that I've been in the Navy and right. uh, my whole life. And there's never been pressure. I just felt like everyone treated me like I belonged there. I was supposed to be there. Uh, maybe a, a sister or a brother type relationship more than anything with my my fellow squadron mates, yeah. um, and I was allowed to do my job and 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 I tried uh, hard just like everybody else. So mm-hmm. the pressure I think that so right now there's a the first female F eighteen pilot is on the team and here we are twenty no not twenty years later where are we um, thirteen years later uh-huh. and. Um, it's so exciting. I don't know. I haven't talked to her about it um, specifically, Yeah. but she, from what I can tell, like outsider looking in, you know, again, there's not this major pressure cooker. I mean, she's made the team. Everyone's happy. She's mm-hmm. doing a great job representing women. 
Um, she's no different than any of the other newbies flying in the demo and working her butt off and, 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 uh, you know, representing. So. Absolutely. Great yeah. answer. Good. <laughs> That's sure. good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what does the community look like within the blue angels? Was everyone very close and like, would they ever hang out outside of work or was it generally more surface level professional? Oh no, they're, they're my family. I mean, I, I'm on a text thread with everybody still to this day. We text probably 10 times a day, you know, just constantly cheering each other on still in life with milestones and births of children and graduations and everybody you know we have some that have become grandparents already and um the relationship building like i said back when i first joined the navy one of the things that i wanted was the people it's what i grew up with and i got that not only from the blue angels but my first squadron um my 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 rag instructor tour where i was instructing in lamore and then very very heightened in the blue angels we were a small group as i said we were traveling 300 plus days a year together Mm-hmm. Um, it, we, we know, I know their parents' names, their spouses' names, their kids' names, their birthdays, like all of it. Um, we do reunions still just to get together oh. and, uh, it's a very close knit group. Oh my gosh. So it's, yeah, it is like perfect. It's, it looks like just what yeah. it looks like from on the outside. It kind of feels the same way on the inside. It sounds like. Well, and there's, there are times when that can be a little bit of a pressure cooker too, right? Mm -hmm. If you're traveling for 300 some days under a lot of, um, a lot of responsibilities where you'll step on each other and you'll have frustrating things where it doesn't always go perfect or you, you fly and you're not super happy with your performance or uh, whatnot. But we, we fessed up to it. We worked together to debrief kind of did this brief fly debrief model that I, I really encourage in life. I think Mm -hmm. I've taken that from the Navy and applied it to my own life where even with our family, you know, what kind of brief up we're going to do for the day, the flight is executing the day. And then at night, you know, lying down and thinking about what could I have done better? What, what would have supported my spouse better, my children better, my job, my colleagues better and sort of internally debriefing. And we did that constantly with the Blue Angels. So while while it wasn't all perfect all the time, um, we were always growing and growing together. Right. I love how you can apply that still to your life and that you learned that there. It's good for high pressure situations for sure. And just normal, normal situations. So you, you went on and got your MBA, which is crazy because you hadn't achieved enough as it is. And so what was the translation or the transition into a more like traditional, are you the civilian now considered? I don't know. Um, after becoming a blue angel. <laughs> yeah. So after, after the blue angels, which ended for me in 2010, I still owed two more years of active duty. Um, and I did that in a little more. And then I wanted to get to that 20 year of service mark, but it was better for me to do it in the reserves. The reserves is a wonderful organization that allows you to kind of dial up and down your participation based on other things, other endeavors that you're doing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is a Navy pilot. He's a front seater. We met in the same squadron. We He was flying in the squadron and deploying and we both wanted to have a family and have children. And we realized 
uh, there wasn't going to be anyone around to raise those kids <laughs> if we were both deploying and right. going and doing this squadron life. So I, I just felt like the reserves was a really good idea. And I, it turned out it was, I loved it. So I did that for nine years where okay. what that looked like was stay at home mom for the most part while I was having the, the kids. Um, but in July for two weeks, I would go support RIMPAC in Hawaii and put my uniform back on, be with my comrades, um, you know, do something that used my aviation skills that I, that weren't gone. They were still with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would go various weekends throughout the year to, to also work on, it was called the air operations center type, type stuff, but more of a ground job. Um, so that went on for nine years in the background. Once the kids became school-aged, which was around 2017, 18, somewhere in there, um, I found myself with more free time, and that's when I went for the MBA. So um, <laughs> I, I wanted to do it because my whole world professionally had been military at that point, and I felt like an MBA might really kind of reset me on some of the basics, the business side of it. Um, I was very interested in entrepreneurship and startups and trying to build something out of nothing and the hustle that it takes to do that. And the MBA, I'm really glad I did it. It, it definitely yeah. um, gave me all kinds of insights and, and learnings that I was able to then apply to some of the new roles I've taken. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Always learning, always learning. So yeah. You are still a mom and have an amazing, successful career. So I do want to have a family eventually. So what are your top tips for balancing, you know, family life and achievements like that? Yes, I think, I think just understanding there's many chapters. Uh, I, for me, getting off of active duty felt like this, almost like a, I hate to say it, but like a, you know, a, a failure or I have to put a stop to something that I've been working on for 12 years in order to have this other thing that I really wanted, which was to be the primary parent for my children or be, be really present and not deployed and stuff. Right. Um, and rather than looking at that as a negative, I just sort of re I can look at it now and say, what a great, you know, that was an amazing opportunity to be able to figure out how to, at that juncture, be a stay-at-home mom, still keep my Navy Reserve stuff going on, think about, you know, laying out the future of what I do want to do once the kids are in school. Um, that was that was a lot to think about, too. I, I wasn't sure. Um, right. And so, you know, as, as young women, we get these degrees, we get started in a job, and then you think about the, the family life, and it's just, it's going to change. And uh, I used to think this is the second chapter when I had kids. Well, I don't know, I'm on like the ninth chapter now. <laughs> and yeah. all of the chapters are amazing. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I also will say this, that as you, your priorities change, right, where I was, looking for the camaraderie, the fun, the people in the Navy, because I had nothing else to do but to spend time with fun people. Well, I don't really want to go out all the time anymore and go to bars and like do all that. I My priority now is flexibility and time with my family. So the job I currently do, I start at five in the morning, but I'm done by one o'clock. And that's very intentional so that I can be around in the afternoon for my kids. Right. And while I would forego 
a, a promotion or a pay raise or benefits just to maintain that flexibility because that's how important it is to me. So just, you know, know that how you prioritize what you're looking for, it will change with each chapter that comes your way. Gotcha. There's so much change in life already. I'm just in college and I'm like, oh my gosh, I see how when people get older, they learn so much from all of this change. It's just constant. So yeah. Yeah. Good. I actually did a girls weekend with my sorority sisters last weekend in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And we, we kind of said that all of us are in various stages of our career, kind of doing really well. And We all said, no one told us when we were at USC, how many different positions and things and endeavors we would actually do and how all of them are important. And they all line up and lead you to where you're at. And I mean, I'm I'm 45, so where I'm at is where I'm at. But in 10 more years from now, this will be a stepping stone on that journey to wherever Mm -hmm. 55-year-old Amy is. And um, But somehow, I think at 18... I was meant to, I was meant to think that I would pick one thing and that would be it for Mm -hmm. 40 years. And this is not reality. Yeah. 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 Well, it's beautiful, but that's not reality too. It's so cool how everything just fits together. It just always will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I always end with the same two questions. The first one is what's the most meaningful connection you've made within your professional life and why? Well, to my husband. <laughs> um, yeah. The, oh my gosh. That's, that's a first. Definitely. I love it. I love it. The, yes. Meeting my mom always said, you're, you're going to meet someone in, you know, in your work world and yeah. in probably on the East coast. And I kept telling her, no, you're not allowed to date people that you work with. It's right. a I was going to say, <laughs> isn't that like a Romeo um, and Juliet situation a little bit? Yeah, so we we were very much um, having to fight down the feelings early on for for some months. Definitely being in the same squadron because we weren't allowed to date, but it was so clear to both of us that it was worth the wait and worth just being friends and getting to know each other on like a deep friendship level until right. the time was allowed and right. And that's a very unique a, a unique circumstance of being in the military. Yeah. Um, but I loved getting to know him without all the complications of dating first. Yeah. And then um, once he left the squadron, we were cleared to date and we've been together ever since. And so um, I, I couldn't imagine or I love our life because we have so many shared experiences. So mm-hmm. I, I do I do like having um, a lot of things in common with him as well as the shared experiences. And we approach life pretty similarly. Yeah. Um I think it's important to have that connection with, with someone that you spend so much time with that um, I would encourage it, right. To find someone that has similar interests in you. And, and even if you work together, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. How long did you have to be friends before he left the squadron? That's highly classified. Oh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Oh, oh no. I was like, oh, uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, we, it's, it, I mean, I suppose, a while, um, you know, we'll <laughs> say a little time. over a year. We were well yeah. aware of how we felt about each other, right. but That's I think on time, record, yeah. it might have been a couple months that most people were aware. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. What a great answer. 
All right. And the last question is advice you'd give your 20 year old self. Um, well, we talked about some of the things already. I'm not sure if I have more, but just that, yeah. you know, you don't just get on a road and that's it. And so don't beat yourself up if you pick a path and then you decide, gosh, that six, six years or five years or, you know, however many years you dedicate to it. And then you decide it's not for you. You can reinvent yourself many times. I mean, I, I, we didn't exactly talk about what I'm doing now, but yeah. I, after the Navy, um, did the stay at home mom, I was on city council, something I just threw my name in the hat for. And I wanted okay. to learn about my community and give back. And it was altruistic intentions. But boy, did I learn a lot about how cities work and city governments and mm. and working with discord and disagreement and working with different types of people. Um, that was a huge growth opportunity. And I also did work at a startup for two years. It didn't it didn't so far. It's not it's, it's going through some reinvention right now. It failed, basically. Um, mm -hmm. I do think there's hope for it in the future. But um, that was an incredible learning experience. And now I'm at Amazon and AWS doing employee experience and as a, uh, running a team of people, kind of an HR feel to it. And, yeah. and so I couldn't be happier with every one of those journeys. And so I think that if I could go back and say, Hey, Amy, who's 20, like, just know that you're going to pick something, pick it, enjoy it while it can, it will keep changing. And you're in the driver's seat on when it changes. And if you want it to change. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Another yeah. thing I need to write down. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It puts the pressure off it though, too. You can be, you can have more fun that way. Make sure you. Pick I, I definitely have had people call and be very hung up and frozen in like a mentorship situation with I cannot make this decision. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And my advice is always like it always is, is do something. Pick pick one way. It, mm -hmm. it may end up being wrong. You will learn along the way and you can course correct. You can go back. Nothing's permanent. I mean, even with children, you put them in a school, they don't like it, you put them in a different school, you know, I mean, yeah. you can make changes. And so don't let decisions paralyze you. Um, because it's okay to, to, to do something and then switch it and go, you know, move around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exciting, exciting answer. All right. What was the other question that you closed with? Just what is the 20 was, year old self? Yeah, yeah. that was okay. the 20 year old self one. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. you got them all. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. That was so fun. Anytime. Thanks for reaching out. I, I love chatting with you and please, you're welcome to keep in touch anytime. I would love to yeah. stay connected. Of course I will. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Space Spiels. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow space nerd and follow us and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. I'll talk to you next week.